everyone. Welcome to episode two of the Putting Words to It podcast. I felt like for this episode, um, it would be good to take the opportunity to kind of explain what putting words to it means to me. As I mentioned in episode one, I grew up in a home with an alcoholic stepfather. As an adult studying the effects on children with alcoholic parents, I know now that growing up, I learned how to be emotionally detached. This was an effort to protect myself from emotional harm. I learned how to suppress all thoughts and emotions as a defensive mechanism. We did not talk about feelings. Heck, we didn't really even talk about anything. We just tried to survive and make some sense of this crazy life that we were living. As an example of how little words were used in my home, I was 21 years old. I just graduated college and my grandparents had flown in for the graduation. A few days afterwards, my mother was working, so on a very, very rare occasion, I was in the car with my stepdad driving away from the airport after dropping my grandparents off. We were driving, silently, might I add, to a restaurant for a quick bite before we went home. I realized only because I'd heard of the stories and had a vague memory that this was the restaurant that he and my mom worked at when they first met and dated. I thought, oh, this is neat. This is cool. This is, um, he's taking me back to the place where it all began for him and me. I was kind of expecting some kind of conversation. Okay, I was hoping for some kind of conversation about how he was glad that he'd met my mother and glad to be a part of my life. After all, this was a very important time in my life. I just graduated college. I was engaged to be married. So just a few months, I'd be moving out of the home married away but instead I got lunch just lunch no conversation <laughs> I don't know that I'm painting this picture very well there were no words y'all have have you ever sat across the table from someone and not spoken while you were eating it's really weird it's really uncomfortable not to mention this was the man who was supposed to be my dad the man who'd raised me since I was seven, but this was my norm. It, it, if he wasn't drinking, he had no social skills to draw on to be able to really interact with me. Then when he was drinking, I never knew what the heck was going to come out of his mouth, much less what was, what was going to come with it. So I didn't want words. I just wanted him to stay away and leave me alone. So it wasn't just me and my dad. My mom didn't talk either. She and I had both learned to keep our mouths shut because we never knew what the response was going to be. It was not a safe space to be able to talk things through or work things out. If you had any kind of feelings or thoughts of your own, they were not welcome. And on the occasion that we may end up and shared, well, that never went well. So eventually we just stopped trying. This was my home life. Now, I wasn't completely void of words in my life, but I never really learned how to express my thoughts and emotions, my feelings. In school, outside of the home, I had friends, a handful of friends, but friends. But I never talked to anyone about anything of real importance. I never let anyone in. This is normal for children who live in homes with an alcoholic parent. You don't talk about what goes on at home. There are a few reasons. Um, to protect the family, fear of consequence, it's an embarrassment. You see, somehow you feel like it's your fault. 
I thought that people would see me differently somehow. So I didn't let people in. No one really knew me. And honestly, I didn't know myself. So for me, putting words to it is a skill that I have learned. It's a method of practicing expression of my thoughts, emotions, and feelings. It's how I'm learning to be myself, to find myself even. I'm not just talking about this podcast or the blog, but actually learning how to parse out and then how to communicate my thoughts and my feelings. Learning how to put words to it has been a way to share my life with others. A way for me to let people in and build meaningful relationships because I desperately want meaningful relationships. This has been a challenge for me and I want that to change. It's a way that I'm able to let down walls and let myself be known. It's a way of putting a voice to the brokenness in my life and more importantly to the victory of overcoming it. I didn't just wake up one morning and decide, this is what I'm going to do. It's been a process. And actually, it was a process that I didn't even know I was in. It's only looking back that I realized that God has had me on the potter's wheel and has been molding me and shaping me to get me to this point. I think that if I'd known then, I would have to learn to be open and vulnerable with others. I would have just ran. Because it's not easy putting words to it. It's not easy being honest with yourself. It's not easy facing your past and acknowledging the bondage that you've been in. It's not easy confessing the terrible things that go on in your head. It's not easy being on the potter's wheel. But the potter's goal is to make something beautiful and useful out of the lump of clay that he's working with. He is intentional in the molding and the shaping. Now, I'm thankful for the molding. I actually welcome it because I know that no matter how painful or scary it is, there's purpose behind it. And if I'll trust the potter and his process, then I'm going to be all right. I'm actually going to be better than all right. I'm going to be made into who he intended me to be in the first place. And that is going to be beautiful. I'm going to be in the place where I'm the happiest and most satisfied. I'm going to be complete in what he has made me for. So bring it on. Let's keep learning how to put words to it if it gets me there. Like I said, learning how to put words to it has been a process. I thought I'd share a little bit of what the process has looked like for me. I think there have been two significant things that have helped me learn how to put words to it. First, I started journaling, and then I started reading. They seem pretty basic, but let's just dive into them. Journaling. This was the first step. I didn't know it was the first step when I started, but God did. He is so good, isn't he? He is intentional in everything. I originally started journaling as a compromise with God funny, right? Me compromising with God. Well, you see, he told me to start writing. And so my attempt at that was, okay, I'll write, but I'll only write in my journal. But little did I know, this was a prepping season for what was to come. He knew what I was doing, 
and he knew that it was part of his plan anyway. So it wasn't like I was getting away with anything. But journaling has been a great exercise for me. If you could go back and read my first journals, you would see that they are very surfacy and vague. But as time went on, I started to learn how to actually form sentences that articulated what I was thinking or feeling. I started to realize that my journal was my safe space, that I could put anything in there that I wanted without fear of someone reading it and my true thoughts and feelings being found out. Funny note, though, I think I'm going to instruct that my journals be burned when I die Or maybe I'll just um, have a journal burning party at some point because Lord help those that may read them. (laughs) There was a lot of working things out in those journals, which means a lot of messy stuff. But for right now, I'm using them to help me remember the process of getting to where I'm at right now. See, there's so many benefits to journaling. I think that as I was journaling, God was showing me how to empty myself on paper. He was showing me how to be honest with myself, no matter how awful it was. And y'all, it was pretty awful. Then once I could be honest with myself, I could be honest with him and then honest with others. It's a process. Somehow getting it out on paper calmed my brain. As I would write all of those streams of words constantly running through my brain, the thoughts would start to slow enough to where I could start to parse out truth versus lie, real versus made up. I could settle down. It's been a really long time since this has happened, but I used to wake up in the middle of the night and my brain would be running 90 miles an hour. I know you know what I'm talking about. Well, I figured out that the only way to stop that was to get up, grab my journal, and start writing. Start dumping all of that stuff out onto paper. There were nights that I was up writing for an hour or two. And then other nights, it may have just only been 30 minutes. Whatever it took, I would have to sit and write until my brain would settle. Eventually, the flow would stop and I could go back to sleep. So you see, there are many benefits to journaling. Here are a few tips on journaling. Just start. Buy a cute little notebook that inspires you to pick it up. Maybe some fun pens or at least a good writing instrument. When I first started, I used a pen. I was committed to whatever would flow. But now I use pencil. This gives me the freedom to go back and make changes if I want to. I very rarely do, but at least I have the option. Find your own rhythm. I've never been on a schedule with it. Um, I could go days, weeks, sometimes months without picking up my journal, but I always found my way back to it. It is definitely a seasonal thing for me and seasonal meaning season of life. I may be super busy and not have the time. I may need it. Like go with your own flow, create your own rhythm. Where to start? My progression has looked like this. Documenting facts about my life, milestones about my kids and how I felt about them, occurrences with my husband and work, just basic stuff. That got me used to writing about my life. Then saying all of the things that I couldn't say out loud. Saying the things that if I said them out loud, people would think I was a horrible human being. But they were thoughts rummaging through my brain, as awful as they were. 
But this was my only safe space. It kept me from spouting a lot of garbage at my family and kept me a little sane. Next step was, as I I stated before, it just became a means to help clear my head and make sense of what, what I was thinking. It helped me to gain clarity. It still helps me see fact versus fiction. Because, you know, what I feel may not be reality. We can't always trust our feelings, people. Now, my journal has formed into more of a multi-purpose tool. I use it to track goals that I've set. I use it to dream. I use it to share my greatest fears and deepest regrets. I use it to ask myself some of the really hard questions like, why did that hurt you so bad? That one right there helps me really get past the surface anger that I feel and get to the root of things. I journal and share what God is showing me in my prayer life or in my Bible reading time. I share what I'm struggling with, but I invite God into the struggle in my journal. I use my journaling for so much now. It's become very versatile. There is no right or wrong way to journal. It is your journal. It is your experience. I only share my experiences with journaling to maybe help you get started. My goal is for you to be inspired to start. I've created a beginner's list of journaling prompts that I can send you if you go to my website and sign up for my emails. The link to my website is in the description for the podcast or you can find it on my Instagram page. So the second step of learning how to put words to it was reading. Growing up, I hated to read. I mean, hated to read. My mother was an avid reader as long as I can remember she's been reading. She, she would read and watch TV at the same time. She probably still does it, to be honest. When I first got married and I was in my early 20s, I loved reading magazines because there were words and lots of pretty pictures. And articles were good to read because they were short bursts of information that didn't take too long to process. Of course, this was before Pinterest, y'all. That was right up my alley in that season of life. Short, simple, to the point, impactful. Then, when I became a mother, I started reading how-to books, you know, all the pregnancy books and the first-time mother books because a young mama needs all the help she can get. It wasn't until I was in my mid-30s that I started to appreciate reading. Okay, I'm going to be real vulnerable here and admit that I got hooked on the Twilight series and read all of those books like I have never read before. Please don't judge me and don't turn me off. I love Jesus. I just read I just read this for entertainment purposes. <laughs> I only picked up the book because I'd seen the first movie on TV and I thought, "Hey, there's more to the story. There's books and I wanted to know more of the story, so why not?" Why Twilight? I don't know, but it was interesting to me, so I ran with it. You know, I hated reading. I mean, I really hated reading. And to be able to say that I had read a novel was my crowning achievement in life. Anywho, what matters was that I was inspired to read, albeit Twilight, but I was inspired to read, and this was just the beginning. 
it just clicked for me somehow. I realized that stories in a book opened up a completely new world to me. It's not like watching a TV show or a movie where you have to interpret the thoughts and the feelings and emotions of the character based on their facial expressions or the music playing in the background. As a viewer, you are told only part of the story, really. Instead, when you read, the author has to use his or her words to communicate to the reader what the character is thinking and how the character is feeling, how they are perceiving and experiencing their environment. The author has to use words to spark your imagination. There's no pictures, there's no images, just words. This new world of reading was amazing. Reading became very exciting. Exciting. I couldn't read enough. For me, reading how others, even though they were just characters and stories, how they thought and felt helped me to figure out the range of emotions that even existed. My range was very limited. Mad and hurt to happy. (laughs) There wasn't very much in between. My poor family. In episode one, I touched on the effects of growing up in an alcoholic home. This was my environment. This was the environment that did not promote or encourage thinking, feeling, or speaking, for that matter. I didn't learn how to manage a range of emotions. I didn't even learn that there were ranges of emotions. But I was grown, And I was no longer living in that situation, but still in the same situation emotionally. Reading helped me learn how to put words to my feelings and my emotions. I would read how a character felt about something and it would dawn on me that I had similar feelings about something going on in my own life. It was liberating. I began to allow myself to start digging around in all of the hidden places of my heart and feel the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between. But to feel and learn how to articulate my feelings was and still is the hardest thing to do. But it's so much better than the alternative. I'm no longer a character in a TV show who is only partly telling my story and only partly living. Putting words to it has brought me so much freedom and victory in life. The first step to healing and freedom from my past was learning what my feelings and emotions were. And then once I started to figure that out, I could start the hard work of finding the place where they originated from and how they were formed. I could start to figure out if the emotion or feeling that I was experiencing was appropriate for the moment. Was it overreactive or was it on point? I could start to answer the question, am I crazy or is this real? (laughs) Something that I didn't have the liberty of figuring out until way later in life. Or maybe yet it was something I wasn't brave enough to dig into until later in life. Once I started digging, then I knew how to pray and what to ask God for help in. God could reveal the areas that I needed to lay down and to surrender to him. Our mind is the battlefield where we fight. Nothing good comes from just letting it germinate in our brain. In our mind, we will write our own stories and create our own narratives. 
whether there's a hint of truth to them or not. But when we can get out of our head and start to be able to put words to our inner struggles, even if it's just our own processing, then this brings it all to the forefront so that God can deal with it. God can change it. According to Ephesians 3.20, He is able to do far more than we could ever imagine. Thankfully, His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. I'm not going to say that I'm not afraid to put words to it because this right here is scary. But I know that putting words to it helps me know what battle I'm actually fighting. Is it fear? Is it insecurity? Is it loneliness? Maybe jealousy? Envy? What are you actually fighting? Putting words to it brings light and life so that everything can be brought out of the darkness where those feelings and emotions have probably taken root and produced some not so great fruit in your life. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18:21 that there is life and death in the tongue. There is power in our words. Our words can bring life or they can bring death. Because our words come from what's going on in our heart and in our mind. That's what rolls out of our mouth. You can think you are fooling people and you may even be fooling yourself, but I promise you that it will eventually come out one way or another. And usually in the worst and most inopportune and unsuspecting times, people will see the real you eventually. If words bring life, then don't we have to ask ourselves, what am I bringing life to? in my life with my words. We as people understand the power of words. This is why we use affirmation sheets in hopes of speaking into existence good things, to change our mind about things even. But sometimes the first step is being able to put words to it, to our thoughts, our feelings and emotions, to be able to understand where we need to apply the word of God what we need to pray for, what we need to lay down or let go of, and sometimes what we need to hold on to. How do we know if we can't articulate it, right? Putting words to it brings freedom. Growing up, I was not allowed to have a voice. I wasn't allowed to have words. My words did not matter. I thought I was worthless, and so were my words. My words did not change anything. If I used words, they just got me into trouble. As I have learned to find my words and use my words in the right way, then I have experienced so much freedom. I no longer carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm able to put that weight into words. I'm able to put my fears and worries on paper and leave them there for God to step into. I'm able to have hard conversations and be honest with my loved ones for our relationship to be better to truthfully talk things out with my husband. And we are closer now than we could have ever imagined because we're learning how to put words to our hopes, our dreams, fears, our hurts and struggles, our highs and our lows. We are able to talk to each other without hurting each other all the time. In Revelation 12, 11, we are told that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. 
I'm learning how to overcome on a daily basis. I'm able to put words to my story in hopes to maybe help someone else. I'm able to confidently confess that God has been good to me. The only way I can effectively communicate that is by learning how to put words to my story. Putting words to it is allowing me to share all the junk, share what God has done in my life and is doing in my life, and most importantly, how it can encourage you to allow him to do the same. My hope is that my journey of learning how to put words to it will inspire you to do the scary thing and start to learn how to put words to your own story so that you can experience the freedom that comes from putting words to it. Jesus wants you to walk in freedom. Let's learn how to use words to start the journey. Let's learn how to no longer be in bondage to our feelings and emotions. God gave us feelings and he made us emotional. They have a place and a purpose in our lives, but let's not be led by them. Let's learn how to name that feeling or emotion, but then lay it at the feet of Jesus and ask him to lead us and not that emotion that we're feeling in the moment because it's just a moment. Let's get to the root of it. Let's learn to be truthful with ourselves, with others, and with God so that we can actively take those negative thoughts captive, stop letting them rule our lives, and be able to walk in the truth of what God promises us. Isn't that what it's all about, being an overcomer? Jesus came into the world to set the captives free. We can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Word of our testimony. Not the actions of our testimony, even though they are effective, but the word of our testimony. According to the Bible study tool, the word word appears 554 times in the Bible. I think it's kind of important to use words. The scripture tells us that there is power. There is power of life and death in the tongue, meaning our words have power. And when we don't use our words, what happens? When we use our words, well, what happens? There's the potential for life and light. So let's start bringing light and life to our lives and the lives of others by learning how to put words to it. And don't forget, go to amandaparker.net. That's the best way to stay connected.